Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter Hyde. Today's conversation comes from a recent MetaStrategy Digital Symposium. And the topic that we're going to hear about today is digital customer experience and innovation. The conversation features two different executives, Shankar Arumagavelu, Global Chief Information Officer of Verizon, and Rhonda Gass, the Vice President and Chief Information Officer of Stanley Black & Decker. And the gentleman who led the conversation is Alex Kraus, MetaStrategy's Vice President and East Coast Office Lead, who joins me now. Alex, good to see you. Good to see you as well, Peter. Well, Alex, uh, let's begin with the topic itself, digital mm -hmm. customer experience and innovation. Two topics certainly on the rise, to say the least, in so many IT organizations that we're familiar with. But maybe just take a quick moment to the, for the uninitiated at a minimum and talk a bit about why this was a topic you believe to be salient for our audience. Yes, absolutely. Um, so I think, Peter, uh, what, what we continue to, to see and say, and maybe it's overused, is that uh, there has not been a digital accelerator as, as pronounced and as, as impactful uh, as the uh, pandemic, uh, and that uh, manifests itself in many different ways. Uh, I think one of the things uh, that we are seeing across different organizations is uh, that uh, there's a bit of a gap between the digital haves and the have-nots. Uh, it doesn't necessarily speak to just the maturity of the organizations, but it also speaks to the backlog of digital capabilities uh, that they uh, had at their disposal uh, when the uh, pandemic com commenced and how quickly they could activate those. Uh, and I think that's, uh, that's very important. Uh, the second aspect is that while many organizations, especially those that, that were successful going into the pandemic, uh, had a laser focus on customer centricity, uh, it became clear that the, uh, a parallel focus on the employee experience uh, was also important. And this was one other factor that distinguished those that fared uh, better than others uh, over the course of the pandemic and uh, arguably uh, positioned them better uh, for the world uh, coming out of the pandemic. Very interesting. And talk a bit about why uh, Shankar Arumagavelu of Verizon and Rhonda Gass of Stanley Black & Decker were ideal uh, uh, panelists for this conversation in personifying the trend you just articulated. Yes, absolutely. So, so I would say uh, two things. First of all, both organizations, while in very different industries, uh, are among the organizations that have fared fairly well uh, from an uh, economic perspective and, and from a, a customer engagement uh, perspective as well. Uh, and that's noteworthy for very different reasons. But uh, Stanley Black & Decker, on the one hand, uh, you know, a, a lot more people focused on home improvements and, uh, and sought uh, the products and also the services provided by Stanley Black & Decker. And then Verizon, uh, with, a, with a move to a virtual uh, world and more collaboration uh, professionally and personally uh, over, over digital and virtual means, uh, of course, a communication and technology company like Verizon was at the forefront of that. I think that's the one piece. Uh, the other piece is that both uh, organizations under the leadership of those two executives uh, were actually fairly well positioned uh, based uh, on, on what I said earlier. Uh, they had uh, very robust digital capabilities. Uh, they had uh, robust internal processes and capabilities that included um, things like the employee, uh, but also were focused on uh, ever more important items such as uh, security uh, and, uh, and, and being able to uh, provide a seamless experience for digital and, uh, and physical channels. That's great. Well, thank you for that overview. And now for a word from our partner, Tanium, and the company's co-founder and chief executive officer, Orion Hindawi. Orion wanted to take a moment to provide some recommendations for CXOs in charge of technology and digital about how best to manage the cybersecurity landscape. Yeah, so our customers, I think, are realizing there are three things that they really need to be secure. The first is they have way too many products. And as a result of that, 
they're unable to operate all these products well, and there are holes in their security posture that are created as a result. Many of our customers have 20 or 30 or sometimes 50 different tools. And if they can move to a platform approach, they have a much higher chance of succeeding. The second thing that a lot of our customers are realizing is they need certain visibility on their environment. Every asset where it is, who's using it, what data's on it, what vulnerabilities it has, and to really be able to trust that they have three or four nines confidence in that data set instead of, in some cases, 85 or 90% confidence, which in reality leaves way, way too much of a surface area of vulnerability. And the third one is they need to be able to remediate problems they find instantaneously at scale, globally, even over slow links, even over devices that are not easy to reach. Because without that capability, unfortunately, even if you know that there's a problem, you're still gonna get hit by the security event that comes after it because you can't fix it in time. And so between that platform approach, being able to have really, really comprehensive visibility and having really strong control, our customers are seeing a huge upgrade in their capability. And now for a word from our partner, Aptio. Sales teams have CRM systems. Human resources leverage HRM systems. What about the CIO who needs to evolve from a technology expert to a business strategist? In this digital first world, CIOs and their CFO counterparts must ensure technology decisions are made to deliver business value. It's easier said than done. That's why Aptio, the market leader in technology business management, is committed to helping companies manage, plan and optimize their technology spend. After all, champions of change need actionable insights they can trust. Learn more at aptio.com. Without further ado, let's get to our conversation, the digital customer experience and innovation featuring Shankar Arungavelu of Horizon, Rhonda Gass of Stanley Black & Decker, in conversation with Meta Strategies' Alex Krauss. Like all other organizations, uh, Verizon and Stanley Black & Decker were faced uh, with unprecedented, uh, uh, fast-evolving uh, external drivers uh, that needed you to make changes uh, to the way you work, the way you, uh, you, you uh, enable your employees to work, and also the, the technologies that you make available, while at the same time, obviously, ensuring safety and making sure you maintain a high standard of customer experience. And I wonder if both of you can speak a little bit uh, about that, also how the initial response uh, quickly evolved into like uh, a sustainable uh, way of working uh, and, and uh, providing services to the customer. Rana, why don't we start with you? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Excellent question. And I'm certainly happy to share, but if I could, I'd like to start by extending my sincerest thanks to the incredible IT team at Stanley Black & Decker. Uh, they were instrumental around the clock, focusing on keeping everyone safe, as you say, and productive as possible during these times. Uh, you know, what we immediately found during the first few months of the pandemic was that the IT demands really shifted to four key things. Uh, you mm -hmm. mentioned it, safety and security of our employees and operations, which that has a unique um, implication for an IT organization, making sure the way we operate is secure. But working from anywhere for our employees was hugely important, and then servicing our customers from anywhere. Um, and then something that you may not think about, but that IT was also called upon to enable rapid decision-making, um, particularly about return on investment and consumption, as we begin to think about where we might need to pull back our investments and where we might need to move forward. And I liken those four things to like the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, you know, it was during these times that the needs of the organization were really very basic, uh, liking them to food, shelter, and safety. And we weren't discussing things like the next big machine learning or, or advanced analytics, um, self-actualization. 
um, at that point in time. But I will say that because of the company's foresight, um, we were able to um, really respond. We were, we were ready. Um, and we've now turned our attention more to, you know, post-COVID and really taking advantage of digitization for our customers and our employees. And I'm sure we can cover some of that um, as we go through the conversation. So how do we maintain that speed of COVID uh, in, in the new normal uh, whenever we get there? Uh, Rhonda, you spoke about the change management with internal and external stakeholders. Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, well, you know, I think we we utilize uh, our, our, our PDM base, which, are, you know, technology business management is a, a decision making element and can certainly talk about that. But I think COVID has really given us the permission, um, mm -hmm. you know, to, uh, to to change, accelerate. Um, for example, who would have thought that our board of directors meetings could be held on technology like Zoom with all of the content being delivered, um, you know, virtually and digitally? Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and I think that's here to stay. Now, do we all really want to get back to meeting with each other and, and holding our management meetings, which have been very successfully done remotely? Absolutely. But I think it's given us that, like I said, permission. Um, it's um, had people think about the art of the possible and just be much more accepting of digital solutions because they have to. Um, and I don't think we're, we're going back as, as the survey questions have shown that, uh, you know, the change is here to stay. Yeah. Well, Shankar, you and your team, you quite literally power uh, all this collaboration and communication. Uh, and, uh, you know, you talk about this uh, framework, how you address the different and most important groups of stakeholders uh, when the pandemic first emerged, but also over the course of the pandemic. And I was wondering if you could maybe start there and tell us a little bit about that response framework. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you, um, Alex, for having me. Um, great to be here with you. Um, so yeah, the framework is pretty straightforward when, when, you, when you think about it, right? So everything that we do as a company, there are four stakeholders that we keep in mind. And it's employees, customers, shareholders, society. What we saw during the pandemic was we made it, at that time, we made a decision to really prioritize and stack rank these stakeholders. We said everything that we're going to do was going to put employees number one, customers number two, society number three, and then shareholders number four. Never before in our history, we had stack ranked them this way, right? Because everything that we do, we make sure that we cater to all four stakeholders. And that was important. So when it comes to employees, as Rhonda pointed out, it's the health and safety of our employees. How do we make sure uh, we, we know that there, were gonna be a, there was gonna be a need for our frontline employees to take care of our customers? So the health and safety of our employees was paramount. Uh, and we also offered essential pay to some of our, uh, to our frontline employees who had, had to be there facing the customers, whether it be in our retail stores or our field technicians going to, um, having to go to customers' homes. And the other thing that we did from an employee standpoint is communication. Right when the pandemic hit, it, it, it became very obvious that we wanted to make sure that we were keeping our employees apprised of what was happening company-wide on a regular basis. So our CEO and CHRO hosted a, a daily a webcast. It was a 30 minutes, a short webcast, but it was so important to make sure that everybody, while they were working remotely, were still grounded on what we were doing as a company, what we were doing to take care of employees, customers, et cetera. When I talk, then you come to customers, right? So connectivity, as Rhonda pointed out, connectivity yeah. found its place in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? Because this was the one that was really keeping 
folks connected with their uh, friends and, and, and family. So there was a significant demand for our services. We wanted to make sure our network was up and available for our customers. We were taking care of customers when they ran into uh, problems, et cetera. We also took, uh, we, we were a part of this whole Keep America Connected program to, we waived all these uh, you know, late fee charges, reconnect charges, added additional uh, data for our customers because we know they were consuming a lot of data whether it be for uh, working from home, online uh, learning, uh, uh, you know, telemedicine, all these things as well, right? So that was the big part for us when it came to taking care of customers. Then from a society standpoint, we said, how can we make an impact as Verizon? So we launched this program called Fade Forward Live. So every Tuesday and Thursdays, we would have live streaming of music from big names like uh, Dave Matthews Band, Usher, et cetera, to really uh, offer this on our uh, streaming platforms. And we saw over 80 million people engage and help small business. So this platform essentially gave us a, a, a medium where people can buy gift cards for their local restaurants, et cetera, and then gift them to their friends and family. So that was a big thing uh, for, for the society as well. And ultimately, uh, you know, uh, it's the shareholders that we have to make sure we kept them abreast, abreast of what we were doing in terms of network investments during the pandemic. In fact, we revised our capital guidance that by additional 500 million, we said we were going to spend 17 and a half to 18 and a half billion dollars in terms of network capital to accelerate our, our 5G build out. So bottom line is you take care of your employees first, happy employees, happy customers. They reward us with their business. Ultimately, that makes our shareholders happy. So that's the that's the framework that we adopted uh, during the pandemic, and uh, and clearly that's worked well for us. Wonderful! I'm so glad to hear that. And uh, I mean, again, we all benefit from us. So so thank you for sharing those insights, uh, Rhonda. Um, Shankar already talked about that. You know, the need to reprioritize, to think about like uh, how to reallocate, uh, and in some cases, uh, rigorously prioritize resources. I know you are a big fan of the uh, technology business management, the TBM framework. And I was just wondering in general, but also specific to the TBM, what you and your colleagues did, did to make sure that you prioritize in the right way. Yes, yeah, so uh, th thanks again. And, and you know, I am a big believer in TBM and I serve as a longtime board member for the council there. And I love to talk about technology business management and its role because it drives, it helps you drive sustained value realization. And that's what it's really all about. The important thing is to be able to have a value conversation, not just a cost conversation when it comes to IT delivery. And so uh, for the listeners that may not know, TBM is this methodology or practice that enables a business to make better decisions and notice a business, not IT, uh, by providing insights into things like the, your TCO of, of your technology investments and helping you to make sense of that somewhat black box of IT allocation sometimes and you put it in service and product language so that a business user can understand. So I often characterize it this way, that TPM is to your technology investment performance as GAP is to your you know, company's financial performance. And so luckily for us, when the crisis struck, we were able to quickly deploy our, our TBM base and it, it enabled us to make uh, rapid decisions with data and in terms that the business could understand. So. Um, we could easily value um, the, the benefits of a divestiture or of an office closure and or of an investment decision. We could help really compare opportunity A against opportunity B with real all-in impactful data. Uh, so in a nutshell, TBM allowed us to really support 
our operational targets um, with those database decisions. We, you know, new ways of working and and all while delivering uh, results. So um, it's a huge in, enabler for the uh, success of, of our uh, our decision making. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. And, and how refreshing to hear, you know, CIOs talk about accounting practices and business value. <laughs> uh, a few years ago, we would have said this is exceptional, but now it's the language that the technology leaders talk about. So Shankar, you talked a little bit about some of the innovative practices that Verizon took, both uh, enabling uh, uh, employees uh, as much as serving customers. And uh, uh, if you wouldn't mind highlighting uh, one or maybe two of those uh, practices in a little bit more detail. Yeah, uh, absolutely. We'd be glad to. Um... So, you know, early on in this pandemic, the first uh, um, order of business for us to really was to adapt to this adversity, right? So how do we pivot 135,000 employees that we had over 115,000 of them, we had to pivot to working from, from home. And we all know having done that, like, you know, what it takes, right? All the way from uh, uh, augmenting capacity, ISP links, VPN appliances, you name it, all of that. Very quickly, mm -hmm. We pivoted to, okay, fine, we have adapted to adversity. The priority now is how do we emerge stronger from this crisis, right? So that's, that's a resilient organization. Not only do you adapt to adversity, but also figure out how can you come out uh, stronger from this. And that's where we said, let's use this opportunity to rethink, reimagine the way we do things. Um, and then uh, that led to a lot of innovative ideas. I'll give you one example, for instance, uh, during the pandemic, we had, we offer services, fire services in the Northeast uh, um, uh, uh, corridor here. Now, uh, for our technicians to go and take care of customers problem, we had to make sure that we were taking care of employee safety and customer safety as well, right? So we said, okay, now how do we address this problem? So the teams came up with a creative way to use remote visual assistance tools using augmented reality and put them in the hands of our field technicians. So if you had to change out your router or your set-top box or whatever the case may be, the, mm -hmm. the, the equipment will be delivered to you. The technician will show up at your home, but then what the technician will be able to do is send a... A, a text with a link to the customer. The customer clicks on that and essentially using the customer's smartphone, the rear view camera of the, the rear uh, camera of the smartphone, that becomes the eyes for the technician who's outside. So technician doesn't set foot into the customer's home at all. And now you can, you know, the technician is able to annotate right on the screen and walk the customer through, here is exactly what you will have to do to address this particular uh, issue. And that was, the, and talk about adoption, right? One of the things that we saw in this pandemic as well, the digital dexterity of mm -hmm. our employee base and the customer base grew exponentially. So it didn't require mm -hmm. us to take weeks of training or anything like that. No sooner did we put this tool in the hands of our technicians, the adoption was so, so quick and customers started uh, responding to that as well. And the good thing with this, that what we found was we said, okay, fine, this is working during the pandemic. What else can we do with this? And then we said, okay, rather than just giving it to our field technicians, why don't we give the same capability all the way back to our call center agents? Because they are the first ones who feel the customer calls. So they will be able to do the same thing that the technician was able to do. So now think about it, it becomes a win-win situation for us, right? So not only does the customer get instant gratification, where the, the agent on the other side is able to walk the customer through and fix the problem right away, 
it also saves us from a cost standpoint, it saves us a truck roll as well. So it became a, a good solution there. And, and, and we're talking significant dollars that we'll be able to save with that. And same way, we saw several innovations. For instance, you know, the acceleration of our digital transformation program, curbside pickup yeah. is another one that comes to mind. That's been, that was on our roadmap, but we really accelerated that and said, okay, this is the time we want to do that. And now I can tell you, we have had like, you know, well over 200,000 curbside pickups that have happened, you know, since we even launched this because customers know this is, and, and everyone is used to that as well because grocery shopping is being done that way, et cetera. So bringing the same concepts here really helped us accelerate the, the digital transformation agenda. And, and I think good thing is we are making sure that these innovations don't just work for just the pandemic period. How do we make sure we yeah. bottle them and That's carry great. forward even the post-pandemic? Rhonda, uh, let's 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 turn uh, to 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 you to talk a little bit about like what Stanley Black and Decker did. So both of your organizations uh, have fared fairly well from an economic perspective uh, in the uh, in the pandemic, and uh, you know uh, you, you did a lot of things and 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 uh, digital customer experience and mobile experiences were really front of mind. But but tell us a little bit more about like what you think was most noteworthy. Yeah, this is another excellent topic. Excited to talk about it. You know, we talked about our our internal innovation and shifting our workforce remote, um, but we are also seeing advances in the form of you know digital adoption, data and innovation in our business models and our service offerings, similar to what um, Shankar just talked about. Um, it's no secret that in a COVID world, our homes have taken on a new prominence. Right, DIY projects, uh, home and garden. All of those things are right in our wheelhouse and we've seen a really strong resurgence. So it's been uh, really good for our company. But like most companies, e-commerce in these spaces is also accelerating across all of our business segments. So we've been really focused on building great content, uh, digital listening to our end customers and meeting them where, when, and how they wanna be served. Um, I'd also call out our security business where we deliver solutions like automatic doors and uh, security, health, and safety monitoring. And, you know, given the societal obsession with health and safety, our touchless doors and our ability to provide asset and people tracking, um, this has been a real shift. Um, and that's now a digital business through and through, and we believe it's here to stay. Uh, last but not least, I would call out digital innovation in our 120 factories and distribution centers around the world, where we're mm -hmm. automating machine-to-machine -machine communication and bringing data and automation to our operations. Um, so that we can make it a more sensing and relevant operation to serve the dynamic customer environment that we're seeing. And I also think that's here to stay. Rhonda, Ashanka, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I hope we can continue the conversation on this and other exciting topics in this forum and, and beyond. Uh, thank you. My pleasure. So, thank you.